Hello once again everybody, you are listening to episode 3 of the Reenactors Ramble with me, Richie and co-host Andy. And today we're going to be discussing the reenacting mecca that is Normandy. Andy, how are you this evening? I'm good, thanks. Uh, I've been uh, listening to the previous podcasts and uh, actually enjoying them second time around. Can't get enough of yourself. I know, just a big poser. (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant. You know me well. Cool, so so Normandy is going to be the... The, the topic tonight, um, for anyone that doesn't know where, where Normandy is or what Normandy is, it's uh, obviously the the home, the coastline where the D-Day landings took place, codenamed Operation Overlord. Um, so yeah. we're, we're not going to be too historic tonight. Um, I guess we're going to be discussing in detail a little bit more about the fascination with Normandy from a reenacting perspective. Uh, why do people go there and how has it changed over the years and, and about a... Uh, a particular group trip that we taken, uh, we took over to Normandy last year, um, and about some of those memories and recalling them, and uh, giving some hints and tips if you ever like to to visit Normandy mm-hmm. yeah. as well. So, so Andy, um, you know, when was the first time you visited Normandy? What are your interests there, and and why do you think it is the the uh, the, the mecca, the home, um, you know, of, of the reenactor? Well, Richie, first time for me in Normandy was last year. Um, and it was a bit of a pilgrimage. Now, just as a bugbear, just to say, fifteen years ago, um, was it fifteen? It was the two thousand. It was the sixty um, fifth anniversary um, of D Day. My brother went, and he'd only been in the group for literally less than six months, and he <laughs> and he went off, and and it really annoyed me because they went down in full kit, etc. But for me, um, it was last year, and. Uh, my place of work gave me the time off um, and I, I got kitted up. And of course, we headed down to a central location, the rest of the guys, and we got on original period vehicles from that time. And that was where it all started that night when we all got kitted and get, got ready. It was just, it was unbelievable. It was just um, probably the best boys trip ever, if you can imagine. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty good, wasn't it? So, um, so why do you think it is so popular? Well, the thing with what, what you got to remember is this is where it all happened. So for me, you were visiting the places that you'd read about, you'd seen in the film, the documentaries, and go to the said locations. It is a pilgrimage, and of course, when you go there, there's a lot of re- uh, reenactors, but also the veterans, most importantly. And that's what mm-hmm. makes it, because you know you go to the different locations, the museums, and you'll bump into these veterans, and they will just give you their time. They just want to talk to you and their family, because they're fascinated in us as well. As well, when they see us and think, "Oh, what are you about? What are you doing?" You know, so yeah. it's a whole big um, extravaganza. But then it mm-hmm. leads into that word, that circus, that is. So you got to question. Is it a circus? I mean, when you've been in the past, when was the first time you went and how's it changed? First time you know? I yeah. visited Normandy was 2005. Um, so on the 65th anniversary. Um, and a little bit similar, obviously, the, the amount of visitors every year seems to increase, but also the celebration increases with it. I think it becomes less of a memorial and a homage and a, mm. a, a visit of respect. 
and it becomes more about a reenacting event, more of yeah. a celebration, and dare I say it, more of a theme park carnival atmosphere. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing, but it has changed somewhat from uh, more into a social reenactors event than what used to be yeah, a yeah. you know as a, a, a memorial remembrance ceremony. And as the, as the number of veterans dwindle, we you know I, I was I've been three or four times now, and I was I was humbled to actually visit with a World War Two veteran um, okay. three yeah. three years ago now, um, and sort of firsthand experience what a veteran experiences there, and and to see how thankful uh, the people of France and, and Europe. And indeed, America are. And um, what what struck me the most was we we attended you know at least two ceremonies a day for for a, over the course of a week, and the the relatively modest numbers of of veterans that were left at these ceremonies was was quite scary. Um, and the fact that you know every single year this this number reduces significantly, and I think as that number reduces. The memorial services also decline, and obviously, yeah. what increases is, um, I guess, social activity. the The idea of tourism, and you know, and the area sort of has to to mm-hmm. survive. Um, but it it does bring around some interesting questions and debates as to whether uh, reenacting what what reenacting's place is within Normandy. For me, um, I think that because it was my first time. I wasn't too sure what to expect. I'd heard the stories. And when I went and we drove into, for instance, uh, um, uh, St. Mary and Glee the first day. St. Mary Glees. St. Mary Glees. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I said. We, we drove in, um, went to our accommodation and looked around, walked around the village. And surprisingly, obviously, lots of American troops and lots mm-hmm. of locals interacting with these troops. I think because we'd taken the vehicles and then gone around the full um, length of the coast, going to the various sites, we were able to get a broad spectrum and see exactly what was going on for my, for my mm-hmm. but the likes of our seasoned veterans in the, in the club, they'd been there for the past 20 years and had seen a considerable difference within the atmosphere, the relationship with the people, the public, the, the military, the mm-hmm. uh, seven soldiers mm-hmm. currently, and of course the the veterans themselves. You know, politically, things have changed. Um, it's that kind of you can't even carry the weapons anymore, um, and that was that's been I think like this for the past two or so years. Yeah. Um, I remember in the on the sixty fifth anniversary um, when my brother went across, and the rest of the guys. There's photographs of them with uh, their full kit on the beach including weapons. And then it begs the question, actually, how respectful is that? Is it, I mean, is it right that people should carry the weapons around similarly? Yeah. This is the the question that people ask. I agree, Andy, and I I still haven't got the answer. You know, four times now I've been to Normandy. And this is just a question between ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not trying to say it's right or wrong no of course this is this isn't some sort of crusade to to ban reenactors from normandy whatsoever um no. you know this is just i guess a very open discussion around um yeah yeah just just the culture and how it works there but so I, i've been to normandy four times now and last year on the anniversary was yeah um i think three of the four years i've been i've been an anniversary year um and last year was the first time that i've ever actually wore a kit there um okay. and as a you know pretty seasoned solid reenactor um with a lot of different impressions 
I, I, I still probably, I felt a little bit uneasy about the, the idea of going okay. to Normandy and wearing equipment. I know that as a reenactor that um, had gone before without yeah. equipment, equipment and uniforms, I'd always felt a little bit more like the, my purpose being there was, was a little bit more honest and genuine. I and see. when I looked yeah. at reenactors, the general feeling from people that weren't in kit was was sort of almost looking down at reenactors, thinking, you know, this whole circus carnival atmosphere. And it depends how you do it, you mm. know. If there's well, yeah. ten of you, ten of you in jeeps with sirens going off, drawing attention to yourself, it's a different matter than, um, you know, a, a, a different. I, I guess some examples I'd like to give are: okay, uh, we we visited. Pegasus Bridge with you know uh, British Airborne, yeah. Um, well, Gliderborne, the Kings on Scottish Borders weren't there, but it was the closest impression that we did, you know. And there was about ten of us, I think, and we got some great pictures with the the horse glider, yeah. uh, in the, the the Pegasus Bridge Memorial Museum, and that felt you know very accurate. We, we had a good impression. There was no sirens, there was no guns and webbing and helmets. It was just about smart dress, and that felt a little yeah. bit more appropriate. Very respectful. Yeah, and and I I do think reenactment in a way you, you i question whether it's needed in normandy and don't get me wrong i think now i've no, got a vehicle no. you know i'm very much looking forward to taking my vehicle over there to say it's been on those those you know those those hollowed grounds yeah but i do wonder whether we need it because you mentioned it earlier it's it's where the history took place and there is there is reminders everywhere you look there is tanks on roundabouts or by yeah, the, yeah. the roadside there is a museum every 600 meters whether that's a large uh, funded museum or whether mm-hmm. that is just a french farmer with one in his barn because there's a whole host of those yeah and i i do wonder mm-hmm. whether if you you know the purpose of education there are so many museums per square mile and, and, and reminders of history whether the purpose of reenactors is really needed the only thing i will really say i mean and i'm a hypocrite for, for saying this going over there as a reenactor but yeah okay. um, as a as a, a a punter i guess going over there not as a reenactor previously it was always very interesting walking around camp geronimo and the various camps that are in place in carrington and st mary glees and yeah. uh st mary dumont and a lot of these places where the tents are open the vehicles are there it, it's an interesting spectacle um those things feel a lot more genuine and real and, and appropriate than yeah. than others do. I guess I guess what I'm saying in, in to wrap that up. I know I've rambled on for a couple of minutes there. No, no, it's, um, no. But but to wrap that up, I, I I would say that there is a there is a right and a wrong way of doing it over in Normandy. And I yeah. think if your kit is, if your kit is good, I don't agree with combat equipment. Um, I think I agree a well a well proportioned dress uniform or a, a a basic walking out uniform is a lot more appropriate and respectful than um sirens and aviators and cigars yeah. and, and the likes the um i mean I, I i concur with that i do agree um for me it was almost that gang mentality we were together and we were all in uniform and very respectfully uh, dressed and there were no sirens although you do see this happening around the village and you think well you know well done guys Mm-hmm. And it is that kind of, I'm here, check me out. But we yep. went to um, a couple of very respectful ceremonies. Um, one was at, at Irish Dave's farm, at mm-hmm. Marmion farm. And for me, when we went in our class A's and stood there, you know, kind of very subdued at attention almost, um, there were people 
and they were in full combat gear. How they got in, I've no idea. With rifles, aviators, cigars in their helmets, it was that was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And there was also these people who, you know, you're supposed to stand up at certain times of the ceremony, and people just sitting down and just it was really. Have you ever been to church? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of there seems to be a lot of ignorance and. I'm not saying that that is purposeful. I think there is some naivety in, in yeah. people's impressions and the so, the cult the culture or the um the the type of reenactment varies yeah. across Europe and and various different countries. And just as it does in England, we talked about events the other night and we talked about railway events versus immersive history and the very different yeah. types of reenactors. And to doesn't matter what kind of reenactor you are, these sites such as Normandy and uh, you know the Ardennes and around Holland are of huge importance to people. And I think the sheer number of people that you get there, you're always going to get a minority of people that yeah. draw this attention in and, and, and so on and so forth as well. And I think that's probably just one of the ways it's, it's changed over the years. We mentioned a while ago that it's more accessible than it probably ever has been the hobby. Um, Normandy has become more accessible there. The museums have changed a lot. I mean, the sites at Point de Hoc, for example, 15 years ago when I first visited, was uh, there's largely no railings. You could sort of walk around where you wanted. There's no fences and there was oh, wow. no real health, really? health and okay. safety rules. Um, whereas now you can't visit a lot of the the sites up close and, and to hand. Um, but I mean, there's still some great sites which are relatively yeah. untouched. And you can still, I mean, the the long summer batteries is, is yeah. one of those examples. Um well, and that's one of the reasons it's become a lot more corporate and uh, tourist focused and things like that, um, especially think, in the anniversary years. Well, do you think they're trying to look after it because it has been the, the ground has been well trodden now, mm-hmm. and you know people are, like you say, climbing over fences trying to get into that part of Point de Hoc, the famous yeah. photograph. Yeah, you know with the uh, the rubble and whatnot. But for me. Um, a lot of the experience away from the kind of the uniform and the respect was actually talk to the people that were there. Now we were lucky mm-hmm. enough to not only talk to uh, veterans, French um, nationals who lived there too, who invited us into their home for a cider and a beer and a vino, <laughs> if you recall on, I think it was Juno. And was, uh, it was Gold, actually, it was Gold Beach. It was Gold Gold Beach. Beach. And for the listeners uh, listening, we were outside just admiring the, the coastline and this French couple invited us into their home. We first declined because we've got hobnail boots on. That didn't phase them. They invited us in. They asked us to sit and they gave us a drink and they sat and we, we discussed not only history but the area, you know, politics. And, of course, this was their summer home. They were from uh, Paris. Mm-hmm. And that was just a beautiful experience. And then we go back to our accommodation in the village and we're meeting uh, US Rangers, current serving, second ranger battalion, who scream over to us, hey guys, come over here, you know? And we go over and then we have a drink and then we invite them back to our accommodation. And we're literally getting photos with them. We're chipping in stories. We have a few drinks. Before you know it, someone's made a call to a major and a captain. They arrive. Before you know it, there's this little party going on, and there's all the kind of these um, arrangements getting made. We're going to have a barbecue tonight. We're going to bring you some beer and burgers. It's all on us, you know. And we went to the stop bar in the village, and that was just a wonderful experience again with these guys. Because over another beer, they asked really posing questions about uh, not only our own national history, the UK history, but also about reenactment and 
about our place. And, about, and of course, they were told, telling us stories about their lives. And I mm-hmm. thought, I felt so relaxed with these uh, American service personnel to sit and have a beer. Yeah. You know. And that is one of the the positives. You know, I've, I've whinged a lot about wearing kit over there. Yeah. But one of the positives is it does bring some really good conversations with, especially with you mentioned the serving troops over there and various other people and veterans. And it does, it does draw a lot of interest. And I think you mentioned the, that was one of the real highlights over there, um, which is discussing people. You know, we we met up with um, David Teacher, who was the veteran that I I Mm. traveled over to Normandy with three years ago and spent a week there documenting David's return. Amazing guy. Um, David's a really, really good friend and, uh, you know, treasured man that I will, uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll see see again soon. Um, yeah. But you know, I, like I said, I had the privilege a few years ago of traveling there with him and um, hearing the stories in, in the hotel in Portsmouth with David of his memories of um, getting ready for Dida and you know traveling over on the boat and driving his bed for QL off into Juno Beach with the Canadians. Wow. Um, and you know he recalled, and we we traveled David's footsteps everywhere he went, and we and he told us all the first first stories of exactly what happened, and you know that was absolutely yeah. incredible. And we we were privileged to have David back with us last year. Yeah. Um, there was probably about twenty of us stood on the spot that he landed on Juno, and he re- recalled his fascinating his famous stories of uh, shouting "Don't let me down, baby!" on his uh, Bedford QL steering wheel as he drove <laughs> off into the the cold Atlantic Sea there as well. Yeah, um, and about you know various stories about is his his best man at his wedding who uh was was on the landing craft next to him who, who got his head blown off um oh, shortly wow. after and you know it was real privilege to hear those words i mean because let's let's think in you know hopefully not but four five six years shocking there, there may be not be anyone around to to recall these stories firsthand and it will be in video yeah. footage and that that's why it is so important to to visit these places so you you do get talking to a lot of yeah. great people and it, it does make you question i think why you do the hobby um and i think we came away feeling quite satisfied with the way we'd, we'd gone about our trip i was um more than satisfied with the whole visit um the poignancy the respect and to have you know attended this place this pilgrimage with such an amazing group of guys mm-hmm. uh, it was humbling um Again, we go back to the the idea of yes, we were a big group and we went out and we partied on the sixth of June, but we also remembered, you know, when we all went back to the, the the accommodation and we sat in the garden, we we sat quietly with a lamp, and we we talked about tonight, this time, you know, all those years ago, seventy five years ago, this is what happened. That's just- yeah. I, do you know what? And I'm getting I'm getting goosebumps all of my body just thinking about it. Um, I think I, I think what we great now as well. We've jumped all over. I, I let's. I, I think the, it'd be great to give the audience a little bit of a you know a start to finish this trip and, and the the great accommodation that we got and the journey over there because the journey over there was incredible as well. So yeah, I mean our, our group has generally gone over there every five years. Um, and people are probably wondering as well. You know, for, for anybody that hasn't been to Normandy about booking it, how do you go about it? you've got to get in there early, especially, you know, next <laughs> yeah. year, COVID aside, if you aren't booking a minimum of, of nine months in advance for a party of more than two, you're going to really struggle. Um, wow. We we had a group of, I think there was 18 or 20 of us. Yeah, yeah. So a very, very significant party. We, 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 we couldn't get any accommodation for all 20 of us in the same place. And we managed to get two separate locations, but yeah. even, even those locations were, were about four or five miles apart. So if you're planning on traveling in a, in a large group, it's nigh impossible to be very, very close together unless you're camping. And we were 
very lucky. I'm, I'm almost reluctant to tell the audience where it was <laughs> in case we were to ever go back. But, but you know, who knows? Let, let's be, let's be fair here. So, um, we were very very lucky to source some accommodation in the in the middle of St Mary Glees. So if you if you were to look out the bedroom windows or the, or the living room windows of that uh, apartment, well, that the whole house that we had, you would be looking directly at the square. Um, where the 82nd Airborne landed on, on the, the evening of the 5th of June, or this, uh, into the early hours of the 6th of June. Yeah. And, you know, we were right on the front. There's a little cafe there, I think it's a C-47 cafe, and that's that that was our our house, essentially. And um, I, I, I'm ill-prepared. I should have had the, the gentleman's name. Um, but I'm, there was a PFC, and I began, should begins with an M. Uh, but he was uh, the first soldier, one of the first soldiers to land in Normandy, and he landed in the back garden of this accommodation. Yeah. And he was he was taken prisoner by Germany. He's one of the first people to be taken prisoner, and within half an hour he had taken the German prisoner. Um, and you know we yeah. we learned this fascinating story. There's a plaque on the wall, um, and obviously what was more fascinating yourself was that the the lady who witnessed this in the garden as a little girl um, actually visited the house while we were home. Yeah, yeah. And she told us the story in this garden that we were staying. She was of how she witnessed this 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 man landing a parachute into the garden. It was amazing. I mean, that whole thing, Richie. If you recall, we were having breakfast, and I, um, in, in the early hours of the morning, um, about nine o'clock, I'd gone outside, and there was a camera crew in the courtyard, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, that's interesting. As soon as the light went off. I went out and said, hi, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> what, what's this for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was an American news station. And this translator said to me, she lived here. I said, do you want to come in? That cameraman jumped up like you wouldn't believe. He put that mm-hmm. camera on his shoulder. And I had to escort this lady in through the corridor. At this time, I'd not told any of you guys. And as I walked through, Dale um, and a few of the other guys were like, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> it's like... She lived here. Just go along with it, please. Oh, hi, yeah, go. Yeah, it's fine. We came through, and that's when she recalled that amazing story as a, I think it was a 14-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. That's just, you can't, that's an amazing that's, story. That's, you know, we, we talk about living history. That is yeah. history being brought back to life in, in front of Barbara. And, and, you know, we asked the question earlier, why do you go to Normandy? That's why you go, because you you hear these things firsthand. Yeah. You see them firsthand, and and sat in that garden to, you know, 75 years to the minute that this gentleman landed in the garden, um, was, was, was beyond humbling. Um, and like you said, we, we, we remembered, we paid tribute. Um, we took a walk around the square at, you know, about one o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. just thinking about how the sky would have been live on our Instagram, a a light with, with, yeah, live on Instagram with, and, and, you know, just recording that, it, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, so we were we were extremely lucky to get that accommodation, and I doubt we would be the, uh, as as lucky again. No, the other aspects as well, because we'd gone down in three period vehicles, two GMCs and uh, a Dodge, a Dodge yeah. weapons carrier, to get um, parking is now impossible. And well, this is the thing we we had a nightmare with parking, and we um, solved that problem. One of you guys just literally had the cheek to ask somebody and before you know it we were actually parked in a respectable place you know it was amazing yeah we were very lucky um and i, I won't go into the details of how no. we were let down by a certain gentleman um thanks if you're listening for letting us down with that parking once again um <laughs> but no we, we were we were very very lucky i mean and, and for us we decided as a group that it wasn't right to travel around in 
you know, modern or contemporary vehicles while wearing kit. So it was very much either we go the full way, we take period vehicles and, and wear a kit, or we don't do it whatsoever. Um, and I guess for the benefit of those that have never been, that's that's what we decided. And like you said, we had a, a very interesting journey um, from Doncaster and mm. Birmingham down to Portsmouth. Um, now, anyone that's listening that hasn't sat in the back of a GMC or has indeed on the wooden benches, you will appreciate that after five minutes, the excitement starts to wane and the, the loud noise, noise, the road noise of the engine, yeah. the wind, the cold, and the sore backside that you get from sat on wooden seats was uh, was pretty was pretty overwhelming. So we decided that's, that's to... The inquiry, that's, we know now how it oh, wow. feels. Without being can... shot up, we know how it feels. I've still got the bruises. Um, we made we, we made cushions for the seats, didn't we? And we thought, great, you know, Birmingham to Portsmouth was about five hours or something like that, six hours in the uh, mm-hmm. in the back of these trucks. We made cushions. We did everything that we possibly could. Foot lockers. Uh, Remember the foot lockers? Yeah, foot lockers in the middle of the truck, so you couldn't spread your feet Everybody out. We took a foot locker rather than a hold all. Mm-hmm. We took foot lockers, so they were down the middle, so everyone's feet were literally horizontal as well. Right, but it was that the, the trip there was great because we were all very much full of excitement. The trip back in those things was not. Um, so anyone that enjoys period vehicles, if you are going to take them and it's a long way, you are in for a bumpy ride. Yeah. But they were great once we got there. I mean, it was, and again, for anybody that hasn't really been to Normandy before, the whole coastline from the western sector at uh, Utah Beach stretched east, each east, sorry, to Weistrom uh, and Sword Beach, where Pegasus Bridge is and the Merville Battery yeah. is about the exact measurements to, to mine, but it's about 70 miles, mm-hmm. 75 miles. So maybe even more, 35, 80 miles. I, so, I currently you know, have if, a map in front of me on the wall, and yeah. it's a map that the US Second Rangers signed for me. It's an original map. Uh, I remember that now, yeah. yeah. Looking, and yeah, it's about 75K. Completely. So it's, you know, in these period vehicles, it's um you know it's long it's a long way and doing that for a whole week is pretty tiresome so you know credit to our drivers mm. who did that and the fuel bills were wow. pretty astronomical as well so so yeah we, what we went over there on the on the trucks right um which was pretty exciting and so what do we do over there andy recalling our first few days what are your memories of those those early days there the you guys who organized this and it's about the organization um a few people took lead and they created a an itinerary Every day was chocker with things to do. It wasn't a case of, oh, we're going to go and sit in a pub for an hour. It was literally we're going to get to uh, St. Mary de Mont, Carentan, Breakall Manor, Dead Man's Corner, Marmion Farm. Uh, there's a couple of ceremonies on the way. And, of course, the beaches included. So I'm yeah. going down for the drivers who weren't – I don't even think they were using a map or a sat-nav. It was just literally – you know, word of mouth and because some of... Yeah, that was it. They were being shouted at from the back, yeah. And to go through that part of Normandy that you see in the film footage, for instance, around like Sword uh, Gold, the the buildings are very distinct. And just for me to see that, that was just uh, unique. But those uh, those locations, and if you recall, the weather last year in June was a heat mm-hmm. wave. So it was actually extremely, uh, not only beautiful weather, but also hot for the guy mm-hmm. who were in the British uniform as well. Um, the, the the locations that we went, it was a privilege, you know. For you, Richie, what was the? I'll, I'll use the word the best. What was the the pinnacle of that whole visit? What was the thing that made your day? That's a really, really interesting, a difficult question. I think having been there four times, it's yeah. 
Uh, it's hard to say. I think it depends who you're with. And I think it's your memories a lot of the time are made by who you're with and those experiences yeah. once you've been there a few times. But for me, on, on returning, the, the cemeteries are probably always the highlight. And I think this year especially visiting the the british cemeteries and really mm-hmm. taking some yeah and i think as you as you get older and you mentioned earlier what made the trip was being there with your friends and your buddies and there was there was 20 of us there and what really struck me is the day we visited the the british cemetery mm-hmm. uh we also visited gold beach which is where my great uncle um landed on on d-day and we only found that out about a few weeks before we actually landed so i i, I took the uh, took the time to create a create to, to make an impression for for the Green Howards. Yeah, and we visited um, Gold Beach, where where he landed, and we we then visited the British Cemetery later that day. And I was wearing the Green Howards uniform, so naturally looked out for some of the Green Howards, thinking that these might have been the pals that my great uncle landed with. And there was yeah. there was you know so, so many um, so many names and there was about a dozen in a row Green Howards who were from the the hometown that I'm from, who all died on the sixth of June. Um, yeah, and that really hit home that you're there with your twenty buddies and you're, you're looking at these things and and just thinking that if it was us that landed on those beaches seventy five years ago how many of us would have made it through and the thought of wow the thought of lose, losing one of your buddies let alone yeah you know half of them in in one day and in, especially when the, when they're wearing their uniform that you're wearing mm-hmm. and they're from where you are that was that was really humbling so i think that it's difficult to pinpoint one thing i mean you know we covered everything again we we, we managed to visit all the beaches we visited pegasus bridge um we visited dead man's card Every, everywhere you you could wish yeah to go we we really really did so it's it's difficult to to really pinpoint i'm trying to think from my head some of the do you know what? i hadn't actually been to dead man's corner until um oh, last well. year and, and that's a great museum i mean the the gift shop there or the the museum shop yeah which is you know a bit mature reenacts paradise lots of great stuff in there but the prices are astronomical and <laughs> uh, i unfortunately bought two um two sets of insignia british insignia there and managed to lose them somehow on the way home so i was pretty oh, good about what? that after after overpaying but yeah, that was great. I mean, Pegasus Bridge is always a fantastic place to visit. Same, um, yeah, yeah. Really love that. I'm always just, you know, overawed by the the accuracy that these pilots managed to land in gliders and, and yeah, how quickly yeah. they they wanted to overtake that. And I think for me, actually, do you know, what? one of the highlights was um, taking pictures by the horse glider uh, in our glider bond uniform, and of course um, on the bridge itself in the museum. The bridge is yeah. there. Yeah, it's really, really good. So that that was great because I think for the for the photography for for our Kings on Scottish Borders impression, although there's no real relevance to Pegasus Bridge or Normandy in themselves, um, the opportunity to be an extra full size replica of a horse and, and take some images for the group was, wow. was was brilliant. And those those pictures are great. You know, I love those pictures. Some of the best ones that we've that we've got of the group as well. Um, but I think other moments as well, Andy. Um, I'll let you in in a minute. But uh, no, the, these. So you know, meet, meeting, meeting David again on the beach was brilliant. You know, like I said, he's a good friend and introduced him to the rest of the guys. But also the these the ceremonies that we had um, with with some of the 101st veterans again yeah. was was a fantastic experience. Um, and being at Marmion Farm with these veterans and the current 101st Airborne was was a real privilege. Yeah, totally. I uh, totally agree with that. Um, for me, I think first it's being with your buddies people you've known for many years and you respect. But it's that, it's the journey down there. It's the various locations. For me, the ones that stand out are Marmion Farm. 
if you recall, we arrived and then the, the German soldiers turned up. Uh, they marched in, followed by the Americans. Um, and I think there was some French as well. And, you know, we're all stood there respectfully just kind of admiring these guys. And you, you couldn't help think, you know, 75 years ago, these were battling each other. You know, there, there wasn't, it was a, it was a terrible place. And yeah, we stood yeah. there. But what made it more special was the 101st veterans that were there. Mm-hmm. And these are very loud, loud characters that you see only in photographs and YouTube videos. And you sit there and you think, oh my goodness, I'm, you know, five foot away listening to this guy's story while he's smoking mm-hmm. his big cigar and just enjoying life with his whiskey. And you're thinking, yeah. wow, what a guy, you know. And that yeah. goes for David as well, meeting David and listening to him and how humble. And you, it's, you're in the presence of our heroes, you know, forget footballers and actors. These are the people. But when we went to Pegasus Bridge and we went into the cafe, I'd have to, Madam, um, Madam Country. Yeah. On the wall inside, you're not allowed to take pictures, mind, but you, hey, you know what? You've got a memory. That's what I've got. And you've got all the things around you, from, not only from the movie, Longest Day, and, all, and the history, it's all there. And you think, this is just fascinating. I'm only won't buy a cup of coffee, but this is amazing. You know, oh, yeah. 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 But I, I, I felt as well. I was, um, respected, but by wearing the uniform, the correct uniforms mm-hmm. on the days that we did as well, I didn't feel out of place and I didn't feel a bit glib and a bit dis- disrespectful. I, I felt yeah. like this is right. You know? Yeah. We wore the things at the, the, the right, the right impressions at the right time. And, and going back to, you know, reenacting there. There's there's very few, well, there's very few. I think the British reenactors are probably in the minority there and probably do it a little bit more respectfully, but I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how it develops over the the next few years. I'm, I'm definitely not put off going back, but I am intrigued to see hmm. how it develops. And, and once the veterans, I actually think, you know, there might be a sense of relief to an extent, and I mean this in the most constructive and positive way possible. Yeah. Once the veterans are gone, there might be, um, you know, because at the moment, one of the things that I, I really don't like, and um, I, I experienced this with David and at the, the time I went there in 2017, yeah. and I had the privilege to attend an, a private event with with around six or seven um, 101st Airborne veterans, and, and David was there. It was a private private function in St. Mary Glees and I was very kindly invited along by a, a very good Dutch friend of mine um, who's uh, served in the, the Dutch military and she's she's fantastic she's an incredible person and she she does a lot for the the, the veterans both British and American in yeah. Holland and, and in Normandy and what what she she told me a lot about what I experienced there was that these veterans are treated like, um, you know, all people want is is an autograph or, or a, a picture with them. And I can understand the, the you know, the desperation to have that, but it, it becomes so intense that it actually becomes a, a negative experience for these veterans. Oh. And they can't relax or enjoy themselves. Yeah. And I actually took a photograph of, of David from documenting his trip in 2017, where he sat in the garden just trying to enjoy the parade going by um, on I think it was the 5th of June and there's hundreds of people lined up at this fence, just watching him. And it's almost like he's a, he's a, a polar bear in a zoo, you know? Wow. Um, but, but, you know, and I'm not saying he doesn't enjoy that because 
David comes to life when he goes to Normandy. Um, he can be, you know, very ill. I think there's a couple of occasions he's had okay. health problems in the in the run up, and as soon as it gets to sort of May June, he's back on his feet, and it's like they're twenty years younger again mm-hmm. when they go over there. But what I what I guess I'm getting at is I've seen veterans used as currency by by reenactors over there as well, and I think going back to my earlier point that once the reenactors are gone, the, yeah. the that current that currency will have evaporated, um, and that mean that might mean that the focus goes on to remembering them rather than using them for benefit or gain yeah. or advantage uh, and i'm also interested to see how the how history develops over there um will it will it change will it evolve will the stories that we have become more emphasized greater um will they will they change through the stories that we tell you know because we we've had we've been to point to hawk and had Len Lamel, you know, um, from the second yeah. Ranger Battalion, who climbed Point de Hoc, sat in our vehicles and signing our M41s and helmets. You know, these these huge, huge, famous veterans. And you know, I was privileged at that event I mentioned earlier to be to be sat with, like I said, seven or eight hundred um, first Airborne veterans singing uh, "Hell of a Way to Die" and shaking Airborne flags around, and you know, drinking whiskey with them and having a right old sing song, and it was fantastic. In the videos. Uh, but you know how is that? How is that going to change in in five years' time? It's it's going to be really really interesting, and I just hope that it moves towards a feeling of remembrance. Yeah. Um, you know, when when you stand at the cenotaph in Whitehall on on Remembrance Sunday, you get this real uh, sense of emotion and remembrance and uh, thoughtfulness. Uh, so when you stood at the cenotaph, and that that's never a feeling that I've necessarily had in Normandy, and I, I just hope that it moves towards more respectful remembrance than than just a theme park. Well, it kind of goes to that that question about the remembrance. Um, our poppy day, our remembrance service. There's no way in hell's chance that I'd wear a uniform, a historic uniform, on that day, because it's not about me. It's about the mm-hmm. veterans. It's yep, about yep. the remembrance. And the we go to D we go to Normandy on D Day or the during that week, and we wear the uniforms. So it is a different kind of remembrance, but it's also. I think because it is a, a bit of a homage, we we are going. It's a pilgrimage. It's we're going in the, to walk in the footsteps of the greatest generation. And for me to feel that inquiry, personal, what they were wearing, how they were feeling, possibly on that in the in the GMC, is it all comes a part of the parcel. I think um, I'd like to go again, and I'd like to go in civilian uniform, uh, civilian clothing just on a a week away, you know, mm-hmm. the rest of the year and see the difference. And yeah, I'd like to go on an anniversary year and mm-hmm. maybe go as a civilian again and just yeah. experience it. So I actually have that full parative um, view rather than just that kind of one experience that I have. Yeah, definitely. And you touched on going away from an anniversary or going away from, uh, you know, June, if you're going a, a May, for example, it's much quieter. Yeah. And you can really take in, some of the exhibits and some of the sites a little bit more yeah. yeah there's less people there and you can take your time a little bit more but you know i've been like i said four times and i will go back 40 times more and i think every time you go you will experience something different and and the more i go the more i like to visit some yeah. of the smaller historical sites uh, that little bit down the back streets you know we visited crepon and a few places like that the last time we went and it, it there is there is just so much to see and you can go back over and over and over again and i think the more you go the more you appreciate appreciate the fascination with it yeah yeah uh, and you just you just never done that okay so i'm gonna say uh two words break or manner <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah, so yeah. we we went to Breakor. You know, it's again everyone knows it because of the Band of Brothers and the Stephen Ambrose, the book. Uh, we drove there. We got out. We looked across the fields. We had a GPS on our phones, trying to map out where we were looking. And down the lane, a French farmer shouts, "Hey, come down here!" Now I'm thinking, "Oh God, we're in for it now." Shotgun coming out the barn. Get off my land, sort of thing. The stories. They're not interested in the reenactors. They're not, you know, at this time we're in civilian um, clothing because we're going home. Some of us have got M41 jackets on. And he calls us into the barn and he says, do you want to go across the field and have a look? Well, I'd read reports. These guys are not interested. They don't want you to bother them. And then out comes the, uh, is it Calvados? Calvados, yes. And then next thing you know is he's filling up little demi glasses and giving us this absolute potion and it was it was amazing it was just like hey can we buy some of this yeah he was well made up oh that well that's why he was there i mean of course he was to be brewing that i mean i'm not complaining i I bought a couple of bottles and celebrated with that d-day and had a had a a hangover worth the celebration i think the next day (laughs) and i had a bottle um this year in june so the bottle I had, which had a loose cork on it, I thought I'd try it. What? I'm not sure what it tasted of, but it wasn't what I thought it was. <laughs> but uh, so for me, that was kind of the the cheers. That was the holding up the glass to the yeah. whole trip. Um, and of course, getting back into the GMC and heading to uh, the port. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling sad just talking about coming home from that trip now because it was... Yeah you know, that feeling you get from coming back from holiday, but what a, what a truly amazing trip, you know, the 6th of June, we spent in the square at St. Mary Glee's drinking from sort of seven in the morning until, mm-hmm. you know, mid- midnight at night. Um, what a day with, with your best buddies in, in, in a place where history um, took place. And, you know, what I always love about Normandy as well and these places is yeah. just how much the locals love it and take part. And they celebrate it so much. And I just, I just wish that our... You know, the first time I probably felt this this sort of gratitude for our own veterans was was VE Day this year. Yeah, but I I cannot think it's a little bit too too little too late in comparatively with the the Europeans and especially the Dutch with how they treat their how they treat the British and American veterans is 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 far beyond the wildest dreams of any uh, you know English population could ever could ever do. For mm-hmm. them. I found it quite fascinating the uh, the children as well in the village going up to the service personnel. And then kind of crouching down and taking out patches. I thought that was quite a, a, a cute touch. Yeah. You know, and these kids are going around and that's what they do for the full week. Oh, I yeah. know, we're going to go to the stop bar and go and grab a load of patches from these guys. Get some patches, yeah. <laughs> and it's, just, yeah. you know, these kids on the walls, they've got hundreds of these things that they've collected over the past few years. And I think, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, it's, It'll be uh, mil- military dealers in the next 10 years. <laughs> it's just history. It's their, no, their things. Yeah, and when you go now, when I went with David for the week, um, there would be little little children and, and groups of families, and they would have ready made pictures that they drawn saying thank you, and wow. they would they would whip these out and, and hand them to David and veterans and say thank you, and you you know you you had to leave an hour early to go anywhere because you're walking down the street and people would just stop. Um, you know, and, and David loved it. It's great, and, yeah. and rightly so. He deserves it. But yeah, it must be very strange really for him because he's got this kind of fame as he goes there, and then he comes home to his hometown, and he's walking up his path, 
And, you know, it's just that kind of quietness. It's like, well, okay. Yeah, well, this is what's really sad. I mean, and again, another good friend of our, of mine has, has been kindly filming David for a, a documentary. And, it, you know, it was supposed to be done three years ago, but yeah. the more we film of David, the more it becomes a, 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 a bigger story. And... Yeah, one of the one of the things that was filmed was, was when he comes back and he has you know he's he's only got one leg. Well, he's actually got no legs. But um, when he when he goes on his mobility scooter down towards the corner shop, and he's just this this pensioner that no one notices. And in yeah. Normandy, he's this he's this man with a row of glittering medals and the Legion Legion d'Honneur, I think is, is how you pronounce it, the highest award the French can give, which they've given to a lot of veterans. And he's this A list celebrity over there, and he comes yeah. back, and I can't imagine the the, the, the bipolar feeling that you must get from from those sort of particular weeks he's also been um recognized by the queen was it the mba yeah. yeah he's got an mba yeah so that's quite an honor in itself fantastic i must plug his book i mean it's getting rewrote at the moment but beyond my wildest dreams it's called i'm not sure if there's any copies left but he's yeah it's a, it's a, it's a good book he's got a fascinating story david he he was one of the raf beach uh unit regiment and yeah. Yeah, so he went in with the Canadians and he ended up at the Battle of the Bulge with 101st Airborne. I'm not sure how many RAF regiment, uh, beach unit, squadron uh, soldiers could have served with those guys in the Bulge. But yeah, tr- truly fascinating story. And is that available on Amazon? Uh, I'm not sure there's any stock available. I know it was sold out. We were looking at um, recreating them, uh, sorry, rewriting it and getting it out there again. But it'd be worth having a little look out for. But I guess just to wrap up Normandy, Andy. Um, yeah, sure is if you had to recommend three places that you would recommend to anybody visiting in the future, what might they be? Um, it depends on your interest in the kind of regiments. Um, so for instance, if you want to go to Marmion Farm and maybe get a guided tour by one of the uh, recognised historians and that whole area, that'd be um, a privilege to see in here. Uh, I also think, to be fair, the beaches and the bluffs um, Omaha, Utah, Point de Hoc, Sword, Juno, Gold, um, any of them. Um, the museums, wow, I've never known anything like it. The museums, they are outstanding. They really know how to uh, put on a display. They are excellent. Um, it depends on your area of inquiry, to be fair. I wasn't too sure about the, uh, the Howard's Memorial until you showed me and told me and, you know, explained it to mm-hmm. me. So that was quite a poignant factor also and to see that mm-hmm. original photograph of that lane from the beach you know yeah and to obviously walk down there and so forth um it's it's hard to say what about you what would your three i think go to for be? me my standout every time i go there i think the the longs battery is a must because it's it's relatively untouched uh and the the famous opening scene for the longest day was filmed there so that's always a a great one to go to and i think that is you know that's where you can really see the history because the guns are still there um you can see where it's been they've been blown up by by the troops a couple of weeks later mm-hmm. um so that, that's fantastic i think that pegasus bridge has to be a must i think just because out of all of the action uh on d-day and the, the the following week i think that has to be probably some of the most skilled and, and outstanding uh warfare um, the world has ever seen landing gliders there and, and taking that bridge and yeah. the whole ham and jam thing and, and whatnot is absolutely fantastic. So I think that has to be another one. Um, and I think if I had to pick a third one, you know, beyond the cemeteries, which I think you know are an absolute given and, yeah. and should be top of anybody's list if, you, if you're going to Normandy, would probably be Point de Hoc 
again, just probably because the you do not understand. So when when the Lancaster bombers of the RF went over and bombed Point de Hoc, trying to find the guns, obviously for mm-hmm. ready for D Day, because obviously Point de Hoc was able to fire both on Utah and Omaha. Yeah. Um, the the bomb craters that were left by these Lancaster bombers is indescribable. You try and describe to somebody that what the forty feet, sixty feet, seventy feet deep crater looks like. It's it's impossible, and the sizes, the the sheer size of some of the concrete masses which have been moved by these bombs, is absolutely unbelievable. You know, and the stories you hear about how you know incredible this 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 bombing was, and then to obviously see the cliffs where where these these men climbed up, and you obviously get the perspective of a German soldier looking down, and you know how you would naturally think how easy it would be to defend. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So I think for me that is. That's probably one of the other players. I could go on forever, but I think that's another one there, definitely. Um, but as a, you know, and, and, to, and to wrap up on um, okay. uniforms as well, Andy, uh, and whether you should wear them over there, having discussed this today, again, I think uniforms do have a place there if they're done right and in the right yeah. way and they're remembered. Right context. Yeah, I'm thinking of some of the conversations that we had with troops and, like you mentioned, invited into to people's homes because we had the uniforms on. And I think if you do it in the right way and people can respond and respect to that, then I think it probably opens more doors than it closes. However, uh, I would encourage the rest of the traveling population that goes to Normandy to to adopt a similar approach uh, in the hope that we don't end up seeing um, D-Day World being built over there um, in the coming years. And this is, you know, you have fantastic museums like the D-Day Experience, Mm -hmm. which have the C-47 simulators and such, which are great, but I do worry about um, the the tourist industry taking over there and it, it becoming a commercial gain as opposed to a remembrance service for, for those out there. So, you know, as reenactors, I think we've got a duty to, to promote that history in the right way and not drive around on Harley Davidsons and Jeeps. Um, there's one thing I'm going to dissuade people from going to. It's the Carantan Vehicle March and all this sort of stuff. There's, there's some good, there's some good, reenactors that take place in the march and stuff but there's also a hundred jeeps marked up as 101st airborne with sirens blaring and you know every kind of bit of kit you can see with cigars and aviators and it just i don't know it just it's not my cup of tea to be honest with you so less less aviated wearing cigar smoking 101st airborne impressions and, best. and more uh more you know diverse impressions for me let's see some british let's see some canadian um you know let, let's see different different um regiments over there and 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 a great representation of uh, everybody that served you know after all there was i think off the top of my head you know hundred thousand men that, that landed on those beaches and took part in the, in the raids so let's let's see a, a wider diversity of uh, impressions there yes i think we can end on that one and uh i, uh, I yeah definitely great so where's where's next on the the battlefront tour uh, for you, Andy, where would you like to visit uh, beyond Normandy? Do you know what? Uh, for me, it's actually well, it is still Normandy. It's the World War One um, aspect, but for me, I'd like to go to Arnhem. I'd like to go to Arnhem. For me, the the whole spectacle of um, Normandy, June the sixth. It's very American, especially mm-hmm. around where we mm-hmm. were. It was very Americanized. I'd like to go over to Holland, yeah, and uh, check out what the uh, the British aspect is. Likewise, that's uh, that's top of my list, and I'm very surprised. I've, I've had numerous opportunities to go, but they've never somehow came off. And 
this this year was was going through the year, and unfortunately not with uh, with everything that's that's gone on this year. But yeah. next next year is an absolute must for me. Um, and obviously, obviously looking into planning it at the moment and and how we get over there. And you know, fortunately, we've we've got a, an airborne a jeep that we can go over this year, and then hopefully we can get another one or two rustled up if uh, some some people pull the fingers out as well. Um, but I think you're right. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the the Dutch respond uh, comparatively with the French. And like you said, how um, a British spectacle with primarily, you know, it, it's it's focused on one regiment, obviously yeah. the parachute brigade, mm-hmm. um, and I guess the Kings on Scottish borderers, and you know some various Polish brigades as well. But I'm really interested to see how how that event is in general, comparatively, and uh, you know how respectful or celebrative it is. Uh, yeah, in comparison, definitely. And uh, for you. Have you got uh, another location apart from? I've still never been to to Bastogne. Again, had opportunities to go there, so okay. really need to sort of stop going to Normandy and to go see. It's always difficult, I guess, because because Bastogne's in um, is in obviously December. Yeah. So I do need to get my finger out and to go to there. I've done I've done World War One a few times. I've done Dunkirk mm-hmm. a couple of times. Yeah, um, I think for me it's because I've been sort of visiting where families uh, where my family fought. So yeah, Arnhem and and, and Bastogne are the next ones and. Um, would still like to look at some of the areas in, in Italy. Yeah. Uh, there, I've been to Tunisia and, and wanted to get around a little bit of where one of my great uncles fought again there, but never quite managed to sort of go to those places. So yeah, lots of places on the list, but um, I think next would be would be on and probably followed by by Bastogne as well, yeah. which is another Americanized one, but it's uh, it's a different thing, isn't it? I can, that'd be really good. I can give you that one. It's uh, an amazing place. Um, I went to the Hurtgun a few years back. And wow. I was lucky to stay on uh, our, the British base, Ryan Darling, in the office mm-hmm. of the best. So I I recommend uh, Germany all the way. Amazing. Amazing. Great stuff. Well, I well, uh, hope everyone enjoyed listening to, to our trip about Normandy. The exciting thing, I guess, in the next couple of episodes, thank you for everybody for taking part in our Normandy 44 um, social yeah. polls that we put on the Instagram stories about... Um, requests for guests or whether you've watched it um we had had a, a really really good reception so far yeah if, um, you, if, you, if you yeah if you do have any feedback just on um, how we can improve the podcast topics you might like us to discuss or whether you'd like to get involved as a guest then you know please do reach out we've, we've probably got a, a good list to keep us going for the the next few weeks yeah. um for participants and we'll be obviously getting in touch to arrange those very shortly um but yeah, in the meantime, we'll keep recording and hopefully episode four will be out in the in the coming days. I'd like to say thanks for all the DMs as well and the, um, the message and the kind words of support. It's been um, outstanding. From the- yeah, definitely really enjoying it and uh, looking forward to, to keeping this up. Excellent. Thank you. Great stuff. Well, uh, we'll speak soon, Andy, and have a great evening. Yeah, you too. Have a good night. Take care. Bye, everyone. Bye.